It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Before we begin, if you like what you hear on Mile High Report Radio Podcast, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and... Go ahead and click subscribe wherever you get your podcast. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now it's time to get to work. Adam, James Palmer had an interesting segment on NFL Network and it was based on the fact that like us and basically everyone else in Broncos country we are all amped stoked excited fired up about the weapons pumped ready to go those are the only two I could think of sorry about the weapons that the Broncos have on offense but he brought up an interesting point that inside the organization they're equally as excited about the offensive line and that's something that's not often discussed in broncos country because of a specific left tackle oh we will get to him but it when you look at the interior part of the offensive line we've touched on this that's something that you can absolutely get fired up about considering the three guys they have now in Dalton Reisner, who James Palmer said could be a 10-time pro bowler, which I don't think is out of the realm of possibility. They signed Graham Glasgow from the Detroit Lions, who I think is a very underrated signing 
that isn't often talked about or mentioned with the likes of Jarrell Casey, A.J. Boye, Melvin Gordon. And then perhaps my favorite draft pick, not Jerry Judy, was the selection of Lloyd Cushenberry to play center. So aside from the left tackle, and if Juwan James can stay healthy. And the right tackle. I get the excitement about the interior part of the offensive line, but there's still huge, two huge question marks at tackle. Yeah, I mean, I guess I understand the question marks, but it's it's fascinating to sort of hear other people aside from people like us. Like we are, you and I are just, we're, we're essentially just fans. We have some inside information because of some of the people that we know, but it's really not as inside. Like a James Palmer is going to be someone who has conversations with several people several people in the organization has some understanding of what's actually happening at Dove Valley and is hearing those conversations from people that are are obviously making decisions right so it is a, a fascinating aspect of this offseason that when you look at the Denver Broncos and all of the excitement there is no real excitement from the fans perspective around the offensive line partly because it's the offensive line and most fans aren't super excited about the offensive line. That's understandable. Partly because uh, we are all, I think, justifiably concerned about the tackle positions on both sides. And so most of us go, yeah, that's that's terrifyingly awful from what I can tell, but you're, you're not wrong. The interior of that offensive line looks very solid, which in turn should make the exterior of that offensive line a little bit better. And if the if the front office and the coaching staff, Mike Munchak in particular, are not freaking out and are actually putting out sort of a, an air of confidence about this team and about this offensive line, that that kind of gives me a little bit of hope that that maybe some of the hype around what this Broncos team could be offensively is justified. Because really, the only spot that you look at this team and go, yeah, I don't really know. Aside from quarterback, which, you know, I understand five games, and so Drew Locke is going to have question marks just based on that. But really, aside from that, it is the offensive line. But maybe maybe those questions are, are not as warranted as we thought. I think the other big reason that maybe the doubt about the tackle position is because of the quarterback. That's one of the main reasons Garrett Bowles looked better those five games. We've touched on this. It wasn't necessarily anything he did. He didn't necessarily do anything differently. He wasn't necessarily any better. But Drew Locke was. That's what improved was the quarterback play. And as we've talked about with Peyton Manning, that was one of the reasons he made his offensive lines look so much better. It wasn't because of the guys on the line or in the trenches. It was because of Peyton Manning. So I think that's where the hope lies with Garrett Bowles getting better. The key with Juwan James is just can he stay on the field and stay healthy? There's no doubt he can play when he's on the field. He's just got to get on the field. The other thing that comes to mind about all of this is, especially with Garrett Bowles, is it false hope? Are they hoping for something that just isn't going to happen? Well, I, I'll answer. I'm going to answer two questions there that you asked because – uh, when you say false hope, I think there's false hope on both sides. 
I think with Garrett Bowles, and I've said this before, and I, I'll just pound the drum one more time, he's not a football player. And so the biggest concern with him is his lack of understanding of the game. Now, going into, what is this, his fourth season? I, I suppose by now he should have a, a solid enough understanding of what it is to be a player in the NFL and what it is to be a football player, and he should have been – coached up enough by offensive line coaches, especially Mike Munchak, that that is something that could start to turn around. The only thing that's really a problem for him is that his age is a bit of a deficiency there. He's far enough along that those types of bad habits that he has developed are difficult to get rid of. That's that's the false hope with Garrett Bowles, is that we all are, are hoping that he's going to turn into a football player when he really probably isn't. I think on the other side of the line, the false hope with Juwan James is that I think in the clip that, that we were talking about with James Palmer, he mentioned he's only played, I think 30 snaps, somewhere around 30 snaps for the Denver Broncos. He's making as much as any right tackle in the league, if not more. And he's, he's sitting out almost all of the games. And, and that's where the, the false hope maybe comes in on that side where you're hoping that he can get healthy. But what he has proven over the course of his tenure in Denver, and even before that, is that he can't. And again, the the most important ability in the NFL is availability, and he hasn't had that. So I, I think with the amount of time off that he's had, the hope is that he has healed up enough and will be strong enough and sturdy enough to not miss that much more playing time. But again, like you said, false hope is is one of those things that can be a real it could be a real killer man when it comes to how you feel about your team. And those two positions are pretty important positions, left and right tackle. It 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 raises some concerns. But again, are those concerns that are assuaged by the confidence that seems to be coming out of Dove Valley and out of the front office and out of the coaching staff in those two players? Because that is really sort of an interesting dichotomy there. Oh, totally. And when we had Benjamin Albright on in March to talk about free agency and talk about the draft, he talked about how this could be a very key year for Garrett Bowles' development. And I think that's I think that's going to play out. Now, he hasn't been helped by the fact that he hasn't been able to get on the field with all of his other teammates because of the COVID pandemic. But it's going to be very interesting. I think that's going to be one of the most fascinating aspects of this season for the Broncos, especially offensively, is Garrett Bowles' development and whether or not Juwan James can stay on the field. Because if Juwan James can stay on the field, he can play right tackle. He can lock down that tackle position. If Garrett Bowles is able to continue the way he played in those five games and he can continue to to benefit from Drew Locke. That's only going to make this team better. That's only that's only going to make those weapons more potent is if the offensive line is that good. Because if it's able to block for Melvin Gordon and Phillip Lindsay and you have a running game, that's going to set up the passing game. And it's going to make the offense more dynamic and more difficult to defend. So obviously I'm hopeful that the guys and the people saying this to James Palmer are accurate. It's just a matter of seeing it. Yeah, please, please be accurate. We just, 
We just want an offensive line that's serviceable at this point, right? And and again, I just to, just to kind of reiterate that the, the interior of this offensive line looks pretty set for I don't know the next minimum five years, right? I feel like five years of that interior offensive line. I don't know how many more years Graham Glasgow has, but Dalton Reisner as a potential Pro Bowler for the next ten seasons, I'm in. Uh, I think Lloyd Cushenberry has uh, a potential like that, uh, and. Again, interior offensive line, yes. Exterior offensive line, I don't don't know. I don't know. So we'll see. But like you said, let's hope that they're not just blowing smoke because that would suck. Um, And I'm 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 still not holding my breath. Yeah, well, don't we? You know, because you're supposed to breathe. It's it's a whole thing. All right. You're not supposed to hold. No, I I know you're not supposed to hold anything. You got to let go every now and then. You know, you gotta gotta be able to let go. At the right time, unless unless you're Elton John. Oh, well played, well played, well played. All right, okay, that's not. And a it's sick. Tony Danza. Yeah, well, you have to hold it closer though. Yes, yeah. hold me closer, Tony Danza. Yeah, we we got there. We we worked our way into that. I'm not sure. If or we do you hold on loosely? Well, if you hold on loosely, but you and don't, don't let, let go. go, that's still holding. That's true. Yeah. That's one thing that's not clear. And Tiny Dancer is how tightly are you holding? I feel like if you're holding closely, that's a pretty tight hold, right? If you're if you're out kind of away, that's a little more loosely. Maybe maybe you want to hold tightly because then your hands are inside. And they always talk about offensive linemen can hold if they can get their hands inside. But if you get your hands outside, which seems to be Garrett Bowles' issue, then that's where the holding comes in. You get the penalties. So if he can get his hands inside, he can hold closer like Tony Danza. You're in, right? Then so it's that's okay the to key. hold. He needs to not listen to 38 Special and listen to Elton John. Yes, there it is. We've discovered the problem. Somebody somebody text or tweet at or call Mike Munchak and, and just let him know that he needs to listen to more Elton John. Garrett Bowles, that is, needs to listen to more Elton John. I cannot believe that we went down that rabbit hole. I, I, I tried to stop I us. I think, I think three or four times there I tried to stop us, and we just kept going. Like the ball started rolling and I couldn't stop it. I couldn't, I couldn't keep the, you couldn't, you couldn't keep hold of it. I could, yeah, I couldn't hold on. It was, I was holding too loosely and I just, I could, I, I ended up having to let go. Oh, it's just off. All right. Stop it. (laughs) I'm putting it into this now. All right. I shared a tweet with you a couple weeks ago. We didn't do a show last week, which was, um, I don't know. Last week, everything's running together on me. We're, that's just the way it is. And, uh, but I had shared this tweet with you. It was from a, a, a site called Dolphins Daily. I thought it was really interesting. And they had um, five questions. Was it five? One, two, three, four, four questions. I'm having a rough go. Math is hard. I don't, I don't teach math, as we all know. It's very important. Uh, as Chevy Chase's example of Gerald Ford said, I was told there would be no math. Right. And Gerald Ford probably had CTE, hitting the head, playing football at Michigan, those kinds of things. But it had four specific uh, questions, and, and and they're not really questions so much as it is these are the labels that you would attach to these players. And, and the labels that they gave were best player, worst player, and obviously we're talking about starters here, most slept on, which I suppose is the one that is most underrated, um, you know, unless you're asking, like, which one of these players could you actually take a nap on? And, you know, is that That's possible? That's weird. And that, that gets weird, so we'll go with underrated. And then breakout player for 2020. And I shared it with you. 
Uh, we didn't really talk about it, although I think we have, we'll probably have some similarities here. And uh, we might have a couple of surprises. And, and I think there's some interesting conversations around that. So I want to start, I don't want to go in order of the way I read it. Because why, right? I want to start with the worst player. Let's just get that out of the way. So I don't think there's any surprises <laughs> to who I'm going to pick. Yeah, you go ahead. You can say it. I don't need to say his name. Everyone knows who it is. Well, should I say it? I don't know. Should if, you? If you can't hold on to his name, but you don't let go. I don't want to hold on to his name. Okay. So you're going to hold on loosely? Yes. All right. Well, you don't let go. And I'm, I'm going to let go. Do you think 38 Special is going to send us a cease and desist order? Or is it like it's okay because we haven't sang the words? Well, I'm not going to sing it. I don't think anyone wants that. No, I don't. Um, <laughs> it's just That's just mean. I'll say it. I'll say it. It's Garrett. It is Garrett Bowles, and, and and clearly, if if we start to sort of take this back to the conversation that we had, which could have been a really nice segue, but I, you know, it's been a while. The reason he's considered the worst starter for the Denver Broncos is because of all of the issues that he's had, and then all of the question marks. So, if I were to take Garrett Bowles off the board, you can't say Garrett Bowles. He's not the worst, or he is the worst. Fine, whatever, but you can't say his name. Which starter for the Denver Broncos do you think is the worst player on the team? I think the biggest question, I don't know if I can say it's the worst, is the nickelback. Because, I mean, obviously you have A.J. Boya. You'll know he's going to be a starting quarterback. I think it's after what Ed Donatel said about how Bryce Callahan and his foot are ready, mm-hmm. while well, we've now seen video evidence of that. And I think it's... Nice to actually have video evidence that Bryce Callahan actually exists. Yeah. Did you look at that photograph of Bryce Callahan? I watched the video. Okay. Did it make you laugh? You said Nickelback. You said Nickelback. If we can go down the road with 38 Special, we can go down the road with Nickelback. Come on. No, we can't because Nickelback is horrible. Okay. (laughs) I'm just just saying it was there. It was was definitely there. So. Yeah. I plopped it out there, and you had wow. it perform. We have not plopped anything out in a long time or expected. That is that is a – it may have been an entire season without that. So, well played. Not like Nickelback, because Nickelback doesn't do anything well. But that was – what you did was well played. I'll give you that. So, so I think it's whoever the Nickelback is. Yeah. I And I don't we, I don't know if we know who it is. It could be Ojemudier. Um, hopefully it's not Isaac Yadam. <laughs> I think that's one thing that all Broncos country can hope. So I think that's the biggest question. I think obviously there's the obvious about left tackle and the question about right tackle, but I think there's also doubt on the depth uh, with cornerbacks. Yeah. So, I mean, I think you're right. I think it does sort of come down to, it, it's about the unknown. A lot of times when you're talking about worst player, you're, you're not really talking about the skills of an individual player. I mean, it's, it's just, not really the conversation. The conversation is more about, well, what do I know and what do I not know? And, and the things that you don't know are the things that you're the most afraid of, right? Not understanding something or not knowing about something creates fear. And fear is what causes you to be uh, less confident. And so then you are uh, pretty uh, you know, afraid of what this player could or could not be, which means picking Garrett Bowles is more about not knowing what he's going to be 
in his next season after a, a full season under, you know, under Mike Munchak and those five games with, with Drew Locke were a nice, nice sort of sample, but all of the other games before that were a pretty terrible sample. So what do you believe? Uh, and, and so Garrett Bowles makes sense. And then on the defensive side, like you said, we now know that Bryce Callahan is a person and is on the team and looks like he's probably going to be okay. So that's good. Ed Donatel seems to have some confidence in him. But you still don't know. There's still that unknown. And so I think those two are really pretty smart. All right. So worst player out of the way. Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna go away from best player because I think that one's pretty obvious, although there's a conversation to be had on that. I'm going to say most slept on. Which is Who's the most underrated player on the Denver Broncos right now? I think in terms of the organization itself, how the organization views players, I think it's Philip Lindsay because the Broncos just signed Melvin Gordon to a two-year deal. And I think as a whole for Broncos country, I think it's Todd Davis because you have that dichotomy of he's the guy who gets the, the defense in the position. He makes the calls. Von Miller has called him the leader of the defense. But there's always the fans that say, but he can't cover. So it's so a legitimate I, I, gripe? I, I do think that uh, in terms of the organization itself, it is Philip Lindsay because of the addition of Melvin Gordon. And then Todd Davis as uh, Broncos country uh, fans, even some in the media. Yeah, you know, it's interesting when you talk about Philip Lindsay, because that's actually kind of the direction I was going to go as well. To, to me, it, it it is about an organizational sort of philosophy there. There's something that they want to do at the running back position. And for whatever reason, Philip Lindsay doesn't fill all of the needs that they feel like they had there. And so I, I definitely get what you're saying with Philip Lindsay being the, the most underrated player, which is crazy. If you think about how many people in Broncos country absolutely love and adore Philip Lindsay. And the fact that that might not include the front office of the Denver Broncos and the coaching staff of the Denver Broncos, that they might not be on the same page as the the fans is, is really interesting because obviously that's their expertise. But we as fans love Philip Lindsay. We absolutely do. You know, the other one I'm going to give you uh, is Alexander Johnson. And that's more from an outside of the organization perspective. If you, if you step away from the Denver Broncos, if you are – a fan of a team on the West coast or the East coast or, or somewhere else, you probably don't know who Alexander Johnson is. AJ Johnson is somebody who broke out in Broncos country in 2019. He was huge. We love him. His training videos are fantastic. Go watch them. But outside of the organization, outside of Broncos country, when you step away, people don't know who he is. And so maybe they don't really know what to, what to make of him or what to make of his abilities on the field. While I think we have seen he has become a huge part of that defense and is going to continue to be so, he's he's one of those guys that is nationally, if you look at the national media and the way other teams might look at the Denver Broncos, I think he's the guy that's maybe the most underrated from that perspective. And that just sort of takes you onto the other side of the field. All right, let's get best player out of the way. And I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll let you go first. I'm actually going to go off the board with this. To me, the two best players on this roster right now are Cortland Sutton and, and Justin Simmons. Okay. 
Those are the two best and most valuable players for this team. I think you're absolutely right. I was going to say Sutton myself. That's what I wrote down. Uh, I'm also going to say Von Miller. And I, I think that Von Miller has entered the stage of his career, or he's about to enter the stage of his career, that is similar to where DeMarcus Ware was when he arrived in Denver. Maybe he's a little, he's maybe two seasons ahead of that, if, if that makes sense. And so I think Von Miller is still, skill-wise, the best player on the Denver Broncos. He has uh, the speed, the power, the moves. He's, he's, he's Von Miller. He also has the aura of being Von Miller. There is, there is something to be said for having a certain amount of clout just based on your name and what that can do for you on the field when it comes to playing a game. Defenses are going to focus on Von Miller because his name is Von Miller, because he wears the number 58, and they recognize that. If he wore the number 40, which I know it was a little bit of a, a row on, on social media uh, recently, that would be fine too. They'd still know where Von Miller was. And so I think in the way that a game is impacted from a planning perspective, I'm going to lean towards Von Miller, not because I don't think it's Cortland Sutton, because I, I think offensively Cortland Sutton is the best player on the Denver Broncos, and not because I don't think it's Justin Simmons, because I think absolutely right now Justin Simmons is the heart and soul of that defense. Justin Simmons is clearly the best player and the heart and soul, so he's probably the best player, but it's it's still Von Miller. I mean, it's just still Von Miller. You can't get away from Super Bowl 50 MVP Von Miller. So so that's who our – I think that's who the best player is. We got one more. What's, what's fascinating to me is when CBS Sports did its list of top 10 edge rushers, Von Miller wasn't even on the list. Yeah, I saw that. I, I mean, I, I, I get it that it it's a what have you done for me lately league, but how many of the guys on that list have won a Super Bowl MVP award and have taken over the playoffs? Oh, I, I agree. In fact, when you when you talk about you know defensive players that are dominant, Aaron Donald is a name that comes up all the time. Aaron Donald had an opportunity in a Super Bowl to put his stamp on the league and, and become. Von Miller-esque and, and actually sort of really take over in that role. And he didn't do it. Now, maybe Bill Belichick and the, and the Patriots game planned in a way that prevented him from doing that. But don't you think that the Carolina Panthers did the same thing? I, I just think that it's one of those where when you look at that defense of 2015, and obviously we can talk about the pro football focus, uh, you know, ranking and, and the 2015 Broncos were the best defense of the decade or whatever, which is, I totally agree with that. Although I know an argument could be made for the 2013 Seahawks. I know an argument could be made for the, the Jags in 2017. Like I get it. I, I understand all those things, but Aaron Donald, when you, when you look at all these defensive ranks, he's always at the top, but he couldn't do what Von Miller did in the playoffs for his team. And when they got to the Super Bowl, he shrank, no, not, not to say that he played a bad game, but he certainly didn't impact the game the way that Von Miller did. But I also know that that was, you know, that's five years ago now. We're looking at we're, we're looking at several years later. A half a decade in the NFL is a lifetime, especially if you're a running back. It's, it's a lifetime and a half. So I, I get that it's a what have you done for me lately league. And so, yeah, sure, fine. Von Miller's not on that list. But Von Miller on this defense is still Von Miller. And you still have to know where he is at all times. And, and, and that's, that's okay. 
So, all right, next next category, right? We know who Von Miller is. We know we know what we're doing there. Next category, breakout player. Who's the breakout player for the Denver Broncos in 2020? Drew Locke. And I'll throw in the guy that you had as most slept on. I'll add in Alexander Johnson. I like that. I like him. Drew Locke's an obvious one. I actually am going to go... I think this one might surprise some people, and maybe maybe the definition of breakout is going to cause people to have a little bit of a difference of opinion than me on this. But I'm going to say the breakout player of, of the year is going to be Bradley Chubb. There's there's no doubt that Bradley Chubb is talented. There's no doubt that Bradley Chubb is um, the heir apparent to Von Miller, I suppose you could say. But he goes down to injury. He misses most of the season. He's, he kind of disappears a little bit expectations are certainly high for him, but I would not be surprised if Bradley Chubb led this team in sacks and possibly led the league in sacks because that's the kind of talent he has. And then with Von Miller on the other side, commanding the respect of the defense just as much as Bradley Chubb will, I think Bradley Chubb's going to eat. And I know we predicted that last year and I think he was on his way to doing that. We just didn't get to celebrate it because he got injured so early that he was gone. I mean, think about that almost strip sack fumble against the Jaguars on Gardner Minshew when he reaches in strips the ball for Minshew if the ball doesn't just bounce weird like a football should bounce away from where it goes down it just bounced right back up to into Minshew and he completed the pass that would have been the end of the game right there that would have been Bradley Chubb winning that game you know you're inches away you're centimeters away from that so I think Bradley Chubb ends up breaking out I know breaking out is sort of weird on that one but he's the breakout player for the Broncos, in my opinion. What will help is both Chubb and Von Miller have now had a year with Vic Fangio, so they know his defense, and they know what is expected. And the other thing that will help is Darrell Casey on the interior of that defensive line. And there's someone else who could have a breakout year, especially for the Broncos, because they haven't had anyone on the interior part of the defensive line have a breakout year since Malik Jackson for the Super Bowl 50 season. You know, it's, it's, as, as you talk about this defense, like you just start naming the names, you think about the potential. I, I'm starting to draw similarities to that 2015 defense. Now, I probably shouldn't, right? My excitement probably needs to be sort of tempered a little bit. But there's there are definitely some similarities between what that defense was under Wade Phillips when they went and won the Super Bowl, and what this new defense is that doesn't really have the no-fly zone anymore, right? We've moved on from that, but is similar in its makeup. You've got impact players in very important places that if everything comes together, they, they really probably could carry this team to a lot more victories than people are expecting. I, I'm not saying they're going to win the division, and I'm certainly not saying that they're going to win the Super Bowl, but I wouldn't be surprised if they end up making a deep run into the playoffs just because of how good this defense is is probably going to be. I'll add one more, and I had this on my Clark and Company segment. I included him. Is Jerry Judy? Yeah, just the talent level alone, right? Rookie, rookie, rookie wide receiver. I got there. Took me a second. It's too many R's and W's all together. Yeah, it was tough. But uh, yeah, his talent level, his and work, work ethic. ethic. Yeah, I mean. I have, I have to tell you, I'll, I'll give you a little personal story. My son and I were sitting there talking about how hard you have to work to be good at things, and I started telling him about Jerry Judy and how 
at Alabama, they had to pull him out of the weight room because they didn't want him working too hard. I was like, that's that's who you want to be. That's who you want. You want to be the guy that they have to tell, hey, you know, you don't have to work that hard, right? Because that shows that you are committed. I, I love the idea of having somebody like that. And I'll take, I will take a Jerry Judy breakout season because if he breaks out, Drew Locke is breaking out and the offense is breaking out and it's pandemonium and there's points all over the place. It's going to be fun. Or it's just not going to happen. I don't know. All right. Um, let's do this. Let's take a break. Let's take a little break. Throw in a commercial. We'll come back and we'll we'll uh, we'll hit up one more topic and then we will go from there. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. We're back. Uh, kind of an interesting time in sports, Ian, if, if uh, I can say that and, and be accurate about uh, where we are with the sports world. And we've witnessed over the course of the last few months, uh, as sports have slowly trickled back in, a really interesting phenomenon, and that is games being played in empty stadiums. And... With those games being played in empty stadiums, you have a couple of different options. The option that some sports teams or sports, you know, I guess entities have chosen to go with is to play without crowd noise, right? So just you don't you don't hear anything else, which some people think is weird. And then like if you've watched any of the uh, Barclays Premier League when they came back, they have added in or pumped in crowd noise to the games that they've played on like, what is it? NBC sports and those kinds of things. And it really and does. And, and it's just, yeah. it's just for the TV audience. The exactly. players in the stadiums do not hear it. It's just for the broadcasters and the viewers at home. Right. And you can actually, if you choose to not want to, the nice thing that NBC sports has done is they've given you the option to go to their website. You can watch on the computer or on their app or whatever, and you can select to not have, crowd noise and if you don't have crowd noise then you know you can just sort of hear the players the the question becomes what is your preference there what is it that you would rather have so when we get to the nfl season if we actually have games which i believe that we will but we can't have fans which i I think is a distinct possibility especially since the nfl is already canceling things like the hall of fame game and the hall of fame enshrinement which is something that the nfl doesn't do like the nfl doesn't back down from things they were like pandemic we'll just do the draft o- online and you know i mean they, they they worked around those things with the hall of fame game and the enshrinement they were like no we're not going to do those we'll just cancel them so now my guess is you're going to get games without crowds do you want crowd noise if you're sitting at home on sunday on your couch do you want to hear crowd noise 
or do you want no crowd noise? And I think that's a really interesting question. For me personally, I don't want it because it's weird. I to because you watch them and they're and they're playing. I think when the action is going on and it's on the midfield line, for example, for the English Premier League, that's fine. But as soon as they start scanning the crowd or the camera goes up into the into the audience or whatever, because they're following the players and you can see behind them, then it's just weird. I do think it's cool that they've tied in the sound the sound noise to the specific stadium. So like if Manchester United is playing at Old Trafford, you actually have the Old Trafford chance. Although I think it would be hilarious to have them play at Old Trafford and you have a Tottenham chant. That would be hilarious because then I want to see all the fans who call into NBC Sports and NBC to complain about it. That would be hilarious. Or they play but, You'll Never Walk Alone like they're at Liverpool or something. Yeah, no, that would be funny. But I, for me personally, I, I don't want it. It's just it's too weird. And the other thing that comes about it is because it's also going to happen for the NBA and the NHL for their return to play plans. And then with Major League Baseball, what does that do for who's becoming the favorite in terms of odds? Because you no longer have home field or home court advantage. So how does that determine who the odds favorite is? And what do the line what do the odds makers then decide to do about favorites? And how do they determine that? As you said, it's probably just going to be about, well, who has the best roster? Who has the best players? I think that makes the most logical sense. But in terms of just watching it, I would prefer not to have the fake noise. Yeah, I, I'm kind of in the same boat. Now, I will say I've, I've watched uh, I've watched a little bit of the, the, the Barclays Premier League because I miss sports and I need it. It's fine. Like, I don't mind the pumped-in noise. But the one thing that I, I sort of equate it to, and I, I for those of you who are streamers, which I think is probably a lot of our, our listeners – the one thing that you have to adjust to, and I'm, I'm also a streamer and I, I know how difficult it can be to adjust is uh, like we have the MLB app and my son and I watch baseball games. And when it comes time for a commercial, if the, if the commercial that's being played doesn't have um, the rights with major league baseball or whatever, hasn't paid to have it aired, they don't air it. And they just put up a, like a major league baseball logo and it's just silence. And that gets really uncomfortable. And I can remember being down in Florida visiting my in-laws and my father-in-law and I were watching a baseball game together. And every time they went to a commercial, it was just the MLB logo in silence. And he and I were sitting there and he actually said to me, this is weird. Like, I mean, it was like, it was audibly weird for us to sit there in that weird silence. So uh, I, I do understand the, the concept of what you're used to. When you watch sports, what are you used to hearing? You're used to hearing the announcers talk about the game and talk about, uh, you know, different players and talk about, you know, whatever promotions that they're supposed to be doing for whatever uh, network they're on or whatever, right? They do all those things. Then in the background, it's that sort of constant hum of thousands of people. So unless you're watching like a Chargers game where there's nobody there except for the visiting fans, you hear you you hear a constant uh, sound. You hear a constant sort of rumble of of people making noises so it is a little bit strange but what i will also tell you and this is something that uh, i have experienced a few times and if you are uh, a baseball fan you may have experienced this if you've ever listened to a dodger game 
uh, one of the things that Vin Scully used to do, and I, I know that he's, uh, you know, probably don't have a lot of Dodger fans listening. I'm not a Dodger fan. But one of the things that he ha- was always really good at was knowing when to just shut up and just let the background noise be the sound that you heard. So that's all, that's always been really fascinating to me when an announcer is smart enough to know that I'm not really necessary here. I'm going to go ahead and take a break and let and just let the ambience of of where we are be what you hear, right? You then you really feel like you're a part of the experience. The other thing that I would actually be really excited about. And this to me is is maybe even more important. And I think that there are uh, probably a lot of players and coaches that would prefer crowd noise because of this. I want to hear the coaches making calls. I want to hear the players interacting with one another. I want to hear the hits. I want to hear, uh, you know, I want to hear all of that. I want to, I want to sort of be in the game in a way that I have never experienced before at all. I, I can't, I can't remember ever being in a situation where the only sound that you heard were the sounds of the players and the coaches and, and the actual play on the field. And I think football and the, really the, the, I think all sports have a certain, um, sort there's a, there's a certain attraction to that, uh, being able to hear those things. I would love to watch a hockey game and hear the skates scrape across the ice. I would love to listen to the ball being dribbled up the court in a basketball game instead of the, you know, the organ playing defense or, or, you know, rap music, which I really enjoy, but maybe not in a game being played while they're bringing the ball. You know, the basketball has those lots of moments as well, where it's just a lot of noise being generated. So I, I, I just really like that, you know, baseball, the crack of the bat, you know, hearing, hearing guys, you know, communicating on the field, those kinds of things. This is an opportunity, in my opinion. Obviously, the NFL is going to lose money when it comes to revenue because people aren't going to be at the games. But it is an opportunity to really broaden the sort of impact that is made on the on the fans. It's it's a fun sort of thing to have that interaction. The other thing, think about it this way: How much do you love to hear players that are mic'd up? I, I mean the maybe the most important part of Steve Atwater's hit on Christian Okoye that Christian Okoye doesn't remember is that Atwater was mic'd up and you can hear him and you hear the hit and you hear his reaction and to, to just sort of have that be a part of the experience, I think is an opportunity that, that the NFL should jump on. It's funny. You mentioned the chargers because they've been practicing social distancing for years. Yeah. They're, they're adept at it. And then you mentioned Vince Scully, and that got me to thinking of the way that it used to be for play-by-play guys, where it was all about as simple as possible. And I remember one of the Peyton's places, and obviously the first season they focus a lot on Vince Lombardi and the 1960s Packers, but they also focus on Pete Rozelle and TV becoming the massive entity that it is now in part because of Pat Bowen. But it got me to thinking about the old play-by-play guys. Now, obviously, the one that always comes to mind for both of us is Dick Enberg because it was just I mean, let he the called play everything, do right? <laughs> I mean, he did the drive. Yeah. He did the fumble. Yeah. He did the first Super Bowl win. Uh-huh. But that also got me to thinking of the very first one. This is obviously well before either of us are born. So your old man will remember this. Paul Chrisman, 
Mm. Okay. I believe that was the one that Peyton Manning talked about where it was like he would just say, Bart Starr, completed pass, touchdown. That's it. That's all you got. That's all you needed. It, it, sometimes that's all you need. Simplicity. It, it's a chance, right? It's an opportunity to really connect with the fans in a way that is totally different than what we have experienced throughout our entire lives. I, I just, I, and, and because I think it's going to, it would be so cool. I know they're going to screw it up and not do it. <laughs> it's gonna, that's where I've gotten to now. I'm like, well, they're not going to do it. Cause it would be amazing. And I also think players don't necessarily want us hearing everything that they, I guess, you know, if you think about it, players don't want everything being broadcast because audibles and things like, you know, imagine drew lock trying to, trying to change a play and, Maybe everybody can hear it, but now they've got to go through and they have to change everything all the time. It's going to cause a lot of, of you know, sort of consternation and constantly having to change calls and, and, and make adjustments and things like that that they wouldn't normally have to make. But I suppose you just you make the adjustments. That's the way, the li- the, that's the way life works. And you mentioned the weird time it is for sports. I mean, I mean for the whole world. But especially sports, we're going on four months without major sports in the U.S. That's just that's never happened before. Even during World War One and World War Two, they didn't shut down pro baseball. They didn't shut down Major League Baseball. The only time it's ever happened was the Spanish flu. And it's it's so weird because sports are an escape. And the way things have gone, there is no escape. And I think that's why it's going to be—it's going to be interesting to see the NBA and the NHL and Major League Baseball, especially with the the rise in cases being reported in states across the country. How does that play into all of this? Because the NBA in particular is going to be in Orlando. Florida is one of the hotbeds right now. With Major League Baseball, where they're going to have teams playing in their home stadiums, how is that going to work in L.A., in California specifically, in Arizona, in Texas? Travel to Canada to go play in Toronto. I, I mean, it's just, it's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out. And the NHL hasn't announced yet, as of recording this, where they're going to have their hub cities. I, I believe it is now between Toronto, Las Vegas, Chicago, and Edmonton, I believe, are the four I think still up. I've seen that, yeah. So that will be interesting. I, I just, it, it, it's unprecedented. And I, I joke that I don't allow my wife to ask about it because I don't want to think about it. So one of those things that it's out of sight, out of mind. Cause I mean, I, this is, this is how bizarre it is. My wife and I went to the last avalanche game before the pandemic shut major sports down. That was against the Rangers. It was an unbelievable game. The Rangers came back to tie it late in the third period. The Avs went on to win in overtime. It was an unbelievable game. That's the last time the Avs played. 
That's the last time I watched live sports, whether in person or at home. It's just, it, it is, it's unprecedented and weird. So I, it'll, it'll be nice to get sports, but I, when they do come back, especially the NFL, I don't want the fake noise. Yeah, no, no fake noise. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos.